coming to the podcast. Thanks, bro. Thanks, Mark. I don't know so much. I will let you introduce yourself to our listeners. Then I'll also pick the whole conversation from your introduction. Okay. If you find interesting... How far should I go back? <laughs> Fair enough. Hey. Talk about all the interesting stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, well, I think the first question people usually ask me when I'm in Uganda is mm-hmm. uh, usually, how long have you been here? Or how long, uh, how long will you be staying? That's usually the first question. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if I was to work backwards a bit, um, one, I'm a Portuguese. I'm Portuguese, but I'm not related to Ronaldo. Yeah, let's get that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I grew up in um, Portuguese, but uh, got got some education uh, English. So that's always a, a topic that people always say, "Oh, but you speak good English," you know. Mm-hmm. So growing up in the the U.S. and then going back to Portugal, back and forth in that kind of life. Um, so about ten years ago, um, I had I visited Uganda, and I came out here visiting a friend. And with the intention of just to visit, like just two weeks, visit Uganda, never been to Africa before. Wow. So I was like, you know what, I had some time and uh, I had just gotten out of a relationship where this girl didn't want kids or she didn't want marriage. She was becoming a lawyer. So she's like, so I was like, okay, let me take a break in life. Took six months. I was like, you know what, let me go back to Europe. Let me go back. Let me go to this Uganda that I've never been. So when I came to Uganda, I, uh, for like... Two weeks, uh, I just fell in love with the place. I fell in love with the country, the people, the food. But there's a vibe here. I've been to so many countries. There's just a vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's it's on another level. I can't. I when people ask me this question, like why is why Uganda? Like what? Can I just it's hard to explain. There's a vibe here, and uh, I like that. And I also like places with progress. I like places where things are picking up. I've always lived in places where there is progress development uh so no matter which country i've lived in i've always liked that vibe so the two weeks before i left uh, the day before i left in those two weeks i uh i basically married i i i bought a ring i proposed to my friend of many years and then and then i proposed she said yes the next day, I left, went back home, told my parents. They started crying. They were so happy for me. And then, like, well, when's the wedding? I'm like, in, like, 60 days. <laughs> so I came back uh, about 60 days later. I did a Kuchala. Uh, I think two weeks after that. I can't even remember. It's been so, it was so long. I think a month after that, I did a Kwanjula. And then about a month after that, we were pregnant with our first kid. So now three kids later, I have three kids. Um, and, yeah, living in Uganda. So that's like my Ugandan story of how I came to Uganda. That's usually the first thing people ask or want to know about. But how's like the transition? Like how do you just come vibe near Korea? So one of the things about me that I've learned in life mm. is to be like adapt to your environment. Yeah. So I know I know people that have come to Uganda and they can't adapt. Yeah. They can't blend in. Yeah. For me, it was like adapt to what's going on. Uh, so that's what I did. I just got right in, you know. Uh, some people, when I meet them, they're like, oh, so uh, where do you stay? You live at Serena? And I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, it was always like, where do you stay? And are you staying on this side of town? No. I, I was right near Natete, you know. I was just in the mix daily, taking taxis, taking borders, that kind of life. Just I like to just get right in there and that feeling. So that's what I did. And, uh, man, I haven't looked back, bro. I haven't looked back. When I first came here, though, the first year, yeah. well, the first six months, 
I was just chilling. I was enjoying and, and experiencing the, the Kampala, really. But then after that, I saw opportunity uh, abroad. I had a, uh, a technology company, uh, an agency, a marketing agency that I sold. And when I sold, uh, I ended up having some more free time. So when I came here, I said, oh, I could do that here in Uganda. There was mobile apps, mostly mobile apps, online marketing, that kind of thing. So when I came into Uganda, there was like, there was no safe border. There was no Uber. There was no Glovo. Yeah. yeah. Even CJ didn't have an app. Yeah, even yeah. Jumia. Mm, even Jumia wasn't here. All right. Yeah, Jumia wasn't here. You said how long ago are you here? That was 10 years ago. Okay, Jumia, Jumia was in Nigeria, I think, at the time. That's all. Yeah, it makes 10 this year. Right? It makes 10 this year. Yeah, I think I started work. When they opened here, I started, I was working with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so it was still fresh, that whole concept, you know. So uh, I went around Kampala knocking on restaurant doors. I met with artists, celebs. You guys should have a mobile app for your music, a mobile app for your restaurant, whatever. Everyone, every person would just say, ah, how long are you in Uganda? When are you leaving? What does this mobile app do, though? So for restaurants, we could have people order food. Okay. For artists, we could build a following, send out notifications. They could add the music. We could customize the app to the to the client. Yeah, it was custom built apps. Yeah. Oh, so you just do apps for these res- for these businesses? It right? could any business. Yeah, uh, okay. it could be a restaurant. I mean, primarily our market was going to be restaurants and celebs. The reason why celebs because it's. I like music so much, mm-hmm. so that was more of a personal thing. And I've done it with some artists in the U.S. And then restaurants is very, very needed. People want to order food online. That was a very big thing from where I'm from, yeah. where I was coming from. But it wasn't picking up in Uganda yet. So everyone said no. So I did that for a whole year. But during that time, man, that year was like the biggest impact in my life in Uganda because ah, I met, you know, that's where I met Navio, Baby Cool, Radio, and Weasel. Swags Avenue. I mean, and then business illness. I met so many people during that time. So that's where I really started learning. But then when it failed, I went be- right back to what I was doing, which is marketing uh, abro- online. I just worked online for all these years. Yeah. So. And you make enough to sustain yourself. In the- yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing marketing now for 15 years. Uh, I started off, though, at a young age when I was 14. I used to be a hawker on the street. I used to sell newspapers on the road. That was my first marketing job. <laughs> yeah. Go and sell these newspapers. <laughs> so that was it. Yeah. That's how I started many years ago. And then over time, I got hired by the newspaper company. They brought me inside of the building. I did some marketing inside the building, doing adverts, that kind of thing. And then it just picked up from there. And then the internet came around. Yeah. Yeah. How easy was it for you to start from scratch? No friends. And you got it. Yeah. Like, no, it, it, it wasn't hard. You know, I did, have, I did have like two or three friends. But let me tell you, uh, Ugandans are very friendly people. I agree. And very warm and accepting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was not Portuguese and I tried to do that in Portugal, it would be very difficult. Actually, I have, I have some people I know in Portugal that they'll migrate to Portugal and they're like, whoa, it is not easy. This community is very closed. And they are. Not to, you know, not to speak against my own people, but... They can be very close sometimes. Yeah. So it's you have to like figure out how to get in the Portuguese culture in a certain way. But not for Uganda. Uganda's like everyone's welcoming. It's amazing. That's the really cool part. So yeah, when I was reading some some bits about you, yeah. most of it was informed by leadership skills and yeah, sure. leaders. So yeah. I had made up my mind on 
that direction. On that direction, yeah. It's okay. Um, well, bro, let me put it this way. Uh, I'm not, I don't have like a, a master's degree, a PhD. Uh, I always say I learned from the streets. Uh, I learned by reading books. And the biggest thing I learned uh, because of my education was from reading. Mm -hmm. And I always, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, how can I make more money? Because <laughs> selling newspapers wasn't enough. Uh, I used to sell newspapers and then I'd work at a restaurant and then I'd work at a, another restaurant. My dad had a bakery. I would do whatever I could, three, four jobs just to make money. But I realized that the more I worked, the more tired I got and I yeah. wasn't making a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So I had to figure out how am I going to make more money? So actually, if it was my ex-fiance's father said, if you want to marry my daughter, this is my ex, not the Portuguese girl. Yeah. If you want to marry my daughter, you have to read this book. I was like, I read this book. So I took the book. It was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, that, that, I don't agree so much with it. Yeah, it's okay. But that book, the finance book, um, written by Robert Kiyosaki, yeah. Japanese guy, yeah? yeah? Yeah. So that book, when he gave it to me, I, I didn't read it. Then a week later, he's like, so have you started reading? I brought it back. I'm like, yeah, here you go. And he's like, what's in chapter six? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even get to read it. So he's like, no, if you're serious about my daughter, read this book. So I went back, I read it, I took notes. That started my journey, really, for reading. to for reading. Yeah. Yeah. So it was through a girl, which I don't know. I think that's why all men move mountains. I think that's why men build buildings is for women at the end of the day, right? So <laughs> we all have that motivation to get better. But um, so the the reality is... Uh, that's the reading is what really got me into leadership skills, sales, and marketing. Because I realized that in order to get, to make more money, you had to be a leader in some capacity. True. That's where that comes from. You have from. to be on top of things, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, okay. Mm. So what is your philosophy? My, f what? <laughs> what is like your philosophy for like leadership? How do you... Oh, for leadership. Yeah. I was like, wow, that was like a big life question. Like, what is your overall philosophy? Yeah, but still. For, for leadership... I think you should lead by example. I think it's more important to lead by example than like actions speak louder than words. And I think really people can really show you who they are through their actions. Um, yeah, overall life philosophy, I'd say my core, deep like down, my core philosophy is find a way to add value. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now that could be on a personal level. So you can find like individually, you find someone you can help add value. Like some people look at that as giving and receiving. But I like more business side of it, where it's how can I add value to a company? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how can I add value to a company? And there's problems everywhere. I think people, I think really if, if people can find problems and understand problems, they can, they can make money from anywhere. You just have to find problems. Yeah. So take me about, tell me about your experience in Uganda mm. and making money. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what I love most about Uganda is how the capitalism here in Uganda is at the highest level I've ever seen in my life. Okay, so three different countries, the US, Portugal, and Uganda. Uh, Portugal is socialism. So we kind of compare that to Tanzania. Okay, so nobody, almost nobody in Portugal wants to start a business. It's very few people. Yeah, you'll have a lot of foreign investors come in, they'll see the opportunity, 
and they'll take advantage. Mm. But Portuguese people in general uh, have this belief that if you start a business, you're crazy. Now, uh, in, uh, for example, in the U.S., my experience is uh, people want to start a business, yeah. but they start really small. And it's very difficult because there's so many big companies. There's so many large companies. So it's very hard to start a business in the U.S. If you start a business, you do it from your home, that kind of thing. Uh, in Uganda, it's everywhere. It's contagious. It's like if you don't have a business, you're not living. And I love that. But then we also don't have enough money to sustain these businesses, really, in general. Like, like you said, we don't have so many businesses that become large businesses. That's true. Yeah, yeah the same as in Portugal. <laughs> like, so many guys, if they try to start a business, it, it fails. Actually, even, you know, there's a statistic out there that says, no matter where you are, most businesses do fail in the first five years. They do, no matter where you live. Most businesses fail. Um, and it's not always because of, like, lack of capital. Um, because that's an, like an easy way out. Like, oh, I didn't have enough customers. Business is very risky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it takes a lot of tenacity. Like you have to keep trying. Uh, and that only the winners will succeed. So it's a lot of people think like, and especially in Uganda, because everybody has a, it's almost like everybody has one. But they do it on a small scale because of the development. But you have to keep pushing. That's the reality. It's not like I open up a business and everything goes well. I, I stopped counting after 10 businesses, bro. I've lost, I've closed more businesses than I've started. Does that make sense? Yeah. More businesses have failed for me than they've succeeded. So it's just part of it. Today, today as, 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 as somewhere in the morning, so I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and they said... They wanted to start a failure hub where people just come and talk about the <laughs> businesses that have failed. Yeah. Great idea. So he was also telling me about his story, how he has started. Yeah. Failed, and then COVID came and just ate him up and yeah. he had to rethink all his options. Yeah. How have you handled the failure? Like, how yeah. have you just kept going? That's a great point. You know, failure is, a, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things, um, you know, and... I think the most important thing is find something that's exciting and fun because when you get punched with a failure, you're willing to get back up. If you are doing something you don't enjoy so much or you're just chasing the money, if you're doing something just for the money and not passion a bit, then you will probably fail and give up. And that's the thing though, passion without the money, like how long can you just drive on just the passion, right? Yeah. Before you're worn out, before you you rethink your options before you start to value your worth. And mm. you know how um, people like to relate your worth on how much productive you are. Mm. So at that point where you don't feel productive enough to like leave, yeah, yeah. how do you just keep on just cringing on passion? Well, I think... And, and, yeah, and this is not like a question. Right? No, really sure. Question. I just think in general, anything that you're doing, if you have like, a, if it keeps you up at night, if you're so excited about it, that you read about it, you go to conferences, you're always learning, then follow that. And get, even if it's a job, get a job in that industry. What happens to most people is, they, of course, they, maybe they go through school, they get educated, they're, they're upset, they're not, they don't have a job in their degree, who does, that's, that's not so common, but at least you're educated. And then what you can do is get into an industry that you kind of already enjoy a bit. There's some kind of fuel there. You're like, oh, I'm interested in this. And you grow from there. That's, I think that's what will keep you going. Yeah. So if I look back in 
what I was doing in marketing, I'm, I haven't been doing the same thing in marketing. I haven't. I've marketed like over 100 products in 15 years and some were not that fun and some were really exciting. But every morning and sometimes throughout the day, I'm listening to a podcast about marketing. I'm reading something about sales because not someone told me to. It's because the desire is there. And desire is more stronger than passion. Passion comes and goes like the wind. Like I'm passionate about this and I'm passionate about that. But desire, it clicks into habits. Desire will actually have more control into addiction. A passion can, can fly around a bit. But when you are desiring something, you actually hunt for it. Yeah. yeah. So that's really important. Desire and passion are two different things. But find something you desire and that will really drive it. All right. Yeah. Now let's just branch into the marketing a little bit. Sure. I also happen to do marketing for a living. Awesome. Yeah. So, well, how do you imagine, how do you envision the future of marketing now that there's all this artificial intelligence? <laughs> Yeah, and this is great because I've I've lived in the new, the the non digital age. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's exactly. like the transition. Oh yeah. God, uh, yelling in the streets. I used to sell hot dogs. You know those hot dogs, those sausages. I used to sell. I used to sit on a corner yelling. I remember this day. There was no power. We we the power was off, and I was roasting these sausages on the road. I had sausages, crisps, and soda, and I would be yelling in the street like soda, water, chips. No hot dogs, no power for the next half an hour. And I would repeat that out loud. And because it was like this big area. Let's just go again. Soda. Soda, water, Water. chips. No no, uh, no hot dogs, no power for the next half an hour. And I just made it rhyme because I would would do that for so long because we never knew when the power was going to come back. And I would just shout it in this. It was almost like a bypass. So it would echo. And the people were hearing, they'd come, they're like, what, what's wrong? You know power? And I said, yeah, the power's out. And I just sell chips and soda. Actually, I ran out of sausages. So I was trying to like, you know, top up, get, get some other things going. That's all the power came back. Anyway, I look at, I use that example mm-hmm. as like, you have your own voice. In marketing, you use what you have. You're never going to have all the tools. You're never going to have, and today it's overwhelming. Like there's so many more tools and data so coming from yelling in the streets, whether it was a newspaper, whether it was sausages, tomatoes, whatever it was, from that using my own voice to transitioning to the newspaper industry, then into uh, digital marketing. I think the future is so bright. Yeah. I think we've seen some of the biggest players, whether it was Facebook, Google, um, and I don't think we need to go into like privacy at the moment. It's a whole other conversation. but. I think the opportunity for marketing is so much better than it ever has been because we have more information on people than we ever have. Like you can know your audience and your customers so much easier now than you ever could before. Do you think it's fair that um, we, a lot of people are benefiting of our information, the fact that we, we have it all over? They're benefiting of that and they're still making so much money off us. Sure. Yeah. Do you think it's fair? So I don't want to say whether it's fair or not Mm. um, because it's a choice. There is a choice. What I think was not right was in the beginning, they weren't telling people clearly what we're doing with your information. So what what these tech companies have done is now have come back and said, okay, we're going to let you know. We're using your data. Do you want us to use your data or not? That should have probably happened years ago. 
However, this was so new to us. It was just a new territory. And I think that was probably like the biggest issue. But there's no looking back now. There's no looking back. Um, unless you willingly decide I will not be on any platform that's going to take my data, then so be it. But you still have a choice to this day. So in terms of conversion, though, how mm -hmm. much of digital marketing do you think really converts into an actual sale? Like, um, say... Mm -hmm. Say you design a poster, right? You're a yeah. young guy, you have chips on there and a bugger. Yeah. You see it. What are the chances that... How do you track down that sale to... Well... Um, from, from, from seeing it online to... Well, th 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 there's many ways. Um, but I would say, first, you have to use software. I think at the end of the day, like... I think, I think what happens on a, on a simple yeah. scale, people look at likes and followers. But just because you have a like or a follow... It doesn't mean that it's made a sale. And I think that's a trick that people don't realize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And actually, if you sit and watch friends or people when they're on social media, you'll see how fast they like something. You wonder if they even like, like, do exactly. they pay attention? Yeah. 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 So it's not about likes and follows, even though it's there for us. It's actually about conversion, deeper engagement. So it's about taking that lead off of whether it's, uh, a social media post, an advert. And this is the difference between uh, advertising and direct response marketing. So years ago, I was in the business of advertising, which is you put out a post, you put out a news advert, a TV advert, and it just shouts, okay? Because there's different levels of marketing. But before I was in advertising, you're just kind of shouting, 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 shouting all the time. Like we have this going on, that. that. It reminds you of those guys in the road where you just hear them, lukumi, lukumi, lukumi. that's like shouting. It's like, a, it's annoying, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's advertising. Yeah. The, the difference with marketing and then branding, okay, uh, there's different levels. And when you understand your audience you you want to take them from the advert to a response. You want them to take action, okay? So if it's a phone number to call, if it's a click, if it's sign up, buy it online, that's the most important part. That's how you show and prove conversions. So no matter who I've worked with, uh, that's the thing I look for the most is the conversion. Yeah, the conversion to the sale. That's what I look for, conversion to cash. Because without cash, what's the point of the marketing? But many people just focus on, uh, yeah, I post it every week. And I've worked with companies who want to, oh, we want three times a week. It doesn't matter. Now, speaking of that, though, mm. when you look at people's attention spans, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's true because when you look at Joe Rogan's podcast, it's mm. about five hours each episode. And people are still consuming <laughs> True, true. Yeah? Uh, but then here... The number of factors could be the internet issue and what mm. is probably expensive. Mm. But then still people just want to consume something that's like thirty seconds, it's 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 going to make them funny and they go off it. Sure. So how do you see the advertising space with yeah. people's attention spans? I, I think like, yeah. mm, I think it's gonna vary from platform to platform. You bring a go up a good point with Rogan, longer podcasts, okay? And um, yeah, so economics might play into Uganda. Like someone might have data to listen of three hours. Okay, that's yeah. different. But human nature, as a human, if you gave someone 10 million shillings, right? And they say, okay, you want to listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, yes or no? They probably would. So human nature is what's at play, okay? So human nature, people do have short attention spans, but what makes them listen long-term? What makes them engage and listen long-term? The quality of the content. Right? What? What? Are, why are they there? What are they listening for? 
And Joe Rogan has become a master at asking good questions and getting people to open up. He, that's what he's become skilled in. Uh, ironically, he never started that way. He's a, fight, he's a fighter. He used to be a show host. Joe Rogan is a perfect example, by the way, because you never know where your life is going to be. But his tenacity, his never giving up, you know, and how many Joe Rogan has failed so many times at different things. Uh, even movies. He's had so many movies that have failed. But the reality is he, he kept pushing and now he found something that works. The yeah, the niche. And I think when it comes to the marketing or the, the adverts or the conversion, yeah. advertising within that, you, you have to know the audience. At the end of the day, it's the audience. And of course, a lot of marketers could miss that boat. Like they miss like, okay, who's my audience? You may have someone new. Well, this is a new type of person in the audience. But the more you know your clients, the better you'll become at designing or creating adverts that are going to cater to what they want. Yeah, yeah. What's what's your mantra with advertising and marketing? Do you do you feel like the line? Do you feel like you manipulate us into? You have to manipulate your consumers into buying your stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think uh, on a deep scale, marketing is manipulation, not in a bad way. So there's bad manipulation and there's positive manipulation. You disagree? I don't, I don't yeah. I yeah. Manipulation is all bad. No, it's okay. There's a book you should check out. Yeah. It's called Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, okay, I, I don't want to say Robert Caldini. I could be right with that title. Um, but you can look it up for me, the title of the author. Yes, do that for me. Um, now, what he describes in the book mm-hmm. from a science point of view talks about persuasion. So you can call it manipulation, persuasion. There's good and evil, and there's good, the persuasive marketing that's going to get someone to do something Cambridge. good. Say it again. Two. No? Yes. Who is it? Clive Rich. Let me, let me see. The book is called Yes. The Art of Negotiation. Bring it. No, no, no. no, no. Oh, oh, my gosh. I think I've read The Art of Negotiation. No... Yes. I don't. That cover doesn't look familiar. Let me just check one second. Bernard Thomas. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. I don't know why it's in. Yes, by Bernard Thomas. That, that name doesn't sound. Name doesn't sound correct. This is a good but um, I want to say. I can get the name. Try. It's a red cover that I know for sure. It's a re- it's a book with a red cover. And um, I wanna, why do I want to think it's a Robert Caldini? I don't know why. Okay, I don't know why I have done it. Can I get it for you in a minute? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. So, in in summary, yeah. uh, marketing is there's good and bad. Right? You can persuade people to do bad things, and you can persuade people to do good things. We have seen that in politics, of course. Right, it's a, a lawyer has to be good at persuasion. persuasion. Yeah, so th- those things are, there's a fine line. There's a fine line of manipulation. And I think the more people, st- like marketers, the more people marketers can study persuasion, the better they can become. But we see that very, all the time around us. Because that's the whole idea, is you've got to change someone's mind. Yeah. It's done daily. Yeah. 
there's uh, there's this surface kind of thinking, right? Mm. Where uh, people keep saying, to be a very good salesman, it has to be your natural skill. Mm. Right? Yeah. And of course, now of course, with all this data, you can add on to so much and to inform how you make yourselves. Yeah. Do you, do you believe in that? Like it's just a natural skill you you possess. I don't think do you so. Like people. I don't think so. Uh, th- there's the thing that people believe that oh this person talks a lot so they're a good salesperson oh you'd be good at sales because you talk a lot actually sales is all about listening sales is all about listening uh, and I think there's just a misconception where people think like oh you talk so you you, you can sell products because you can talk again it's that talking 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 and I think this is where a lot of businesses get frustrated when they hire a marketing agency because they think you're just going to push, push, push. It's mm. actually the opposite. You first need to listen. You need to understand. I always tell my clients, when you hire me, don't expect anything to happen in three months. It's like, they're like, what do you mean? I said, don't expect an advert to go out. Don't expect a, a post to go out for at least three months. Eh, maybe around two months, but usually three months. And they ask me, why? I said, because I need to understand your audience. I need to listen. I need to watch. I need to understand. Because then you can craft a message to them. And I think what happens is a lot of people just think about pushing, pushing, pushing. We have this new promotion. We have this new burger, whatever it is. We need to get it out tomorrow. And then they see what happens. In terms of like business, how, do you, how effective is that? Like how, is, how is an organization going to let you experiment with them for like three months without them bringing business? Because they're not Persuasion. business. You have to sell them the idea. See, why am I here? No, let's just pretend. Yeah. Um, you're the you're hi- you're thinking about hiring me. And you've already went. So why did you call me here today if you need a marketing agency? What happened? You don't have sales. You don't have, sales. Don't have sales. Yeah. yeah. Did you hire a marketing agency before? They probably failed. Hmm. So if I'm giving you a different approach than everybody else you've hired, and they went quickly, fast, 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 and I'm telling you a different approach that I know that's works, that's proven, and that I have a track record. Obviously, I'm here because you, I have a track record. Yeah, 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 yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, of but you've been working sense. in Uganda. How easy is it with the companies you've worked with for you, for them to let you experiment? Yeah. So what? That's a great question because I've experienced three different cultures uh, in three places I've lived. Yeah. So I would say that Ugandans are very open to new ideas, which is great. They're always open. They're always strategizing. I could do this. I could do that. That's very exciting. I think the planning disappears. The planning part. Sometimes you can see people planning, but they pl- the planning parts. Is it the planning or the execution? The no, execution? no, no, no. I say planning. Right. You know, let me tell you something. Yeah. I, I actually taught so many people from the West how to raise money for business, okay? To raise capital. Mm-hmm. And they struggle with fear how to get money out of someone how do i do that they actually many of them are stuck the ones that you see that do it really well are the the celebrity businesses the elon musk for example let's just use him that's a celebrity money raiser in uganda it's like everybody does it like normal can i have this can i have that when i came to uganda i was shocked that people were just like can you borrow me can i have can you i was like whoa people like professional at raising money around here I want to start a business. Can you lend me 3M? In the West, that is like, it is almost non-existent. It's almost like they're embarrassed. They're like embarrassment, shame, embarrassment. Why should I ask for money? So Ugandans have an advantage of in that area 
they, but they, if you ask someone in Uganda, hey, this is a great idea. Where is your business plan? It's gone. They don't have it. It's non-existent. So when I come back to planning, planning in Uganda is what I feel is almost non-existent. So when I've worked with in the Ugandan market and I talk about a plan, (laughs) the plan, I think people get frustrated with me. Yeah, I think people really get frustrated with me because I'm like, no, we need a plan. This is the date. Da, 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 da. And if you notice the best, some of the best events that have ever happened, as we're seeing now more than ever with uh, some of the big events that have taken place, mm. when they're planned and they're organized, they tend to come out really well. I, I agree. Planning really brings out everything. Mm. I, me, the, the issue I've realized with working with Ugandans and it's the execution bit, right? Like, uh, you'll send a plan, you'll go sit down, guys will consult even for free, you'll come up with a strategy, you'll think, yeah. you'll, you'll design everything. Yeah. It's in the implementation, right? Uh, maybe figures can scare away people, then I feel like a sure. big number of people have not yet realized the value of digital marketing or marketing in general. Like, they do marketing, but sure. it's, it's not something... With everything they prioritize, right? The CEO will buy the latest V8 Land Cruiser before they invest into marketing in their farm because yeah, they, they sure. want to show appearances. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like the execution beat in the marketing is so lacking. Like Guys yeah. don't want to actually follow through plans, but the true, plans true, are true. the issue. Yeah, yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, and some of the parts you bring up, like whether the CEO wants to buy uh, a V8 compared to investing in a marketing plan, uh, you're dealing with human nature, yeah. especially in a market where it's their first time. If it's their first time, like it's my first time having the opportunity, I have the capital, I'm going to buy a V8. Yeah, because you know why? They came to that point without a marketing plan. They just came from pushing, mm. pushing and pressure. So they think marketing plan, but I got here, I got my V8 without, which just pushing. You should be able to push too. Exactly. You understand? Yeah. But there's yeah. only so much pushing can you go. Yeah, there's only so much pushing can do. Don't get me wrong. Without pushing and pressure, you could you can get far, but you only go so far, especially when you want to delegate and bring on a team. When you bring on a team, not everyone is going to push like the CEO. Not everyone is going to push like the owner. So when you have a team, you know that some people will push and a lot of people won't push. Yeah. 80-20 principle. Yeah. 80-20 principle. Yeah. So that's that's why you need plans. Because without a plan, you can't track, you can't measure, you don't know the progress of what's going on. Yeah. Mm. Okay. okay, that makes really sense. Yeah. Following through plans should be... Yeah, idea. you'll find out on this in this interview that I only make sense. Yeah. Right. yeah I see it. I see it. Because <laughs> then I've just realized <laughs> some of these things I've run. Yeah. Now, the other thing is capital, right? Like, yeah. we were talking about how people are entrepreneurial, they're starting up yeah. businesses and whatnot. Yeah. But then access to, like, actual money. Yeah, like, actual. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Silicon Valley type of money. Yeah. It's not there. We don't have that. Bro, let me tell you, a few years ago, I think it was five, six years ago, um, that I was going all over Kampala preaching not te- I don't want to say preaching I'm not a preacher but teaching at churches mm. uh, I had this guy who really liked my I did these two classes uh, training in Kampala yeah. Fairway Hotel and this one attendee said you know what I think I can get you into a bunch of churches business conferences and if you allow me to help you you could teach this in churches so I was like yeah sure go ahead bro so I think he made like 100k every time he got me in a church or something like that for his time and his energy so anyway, he put me in like, I think 11 or 12 churches, business expos. And I talked about raising capital. The whole, my whole talk yeah. was about starting a business and raising capital. 
So because Ugandans are so good at raising capital, I think the issue, again, it goes back to, okay, you have an idea, but you don't have the plan to show your business partner. You don't have something that you've put together. You just you just want to sit down, go for chai, and you want to, to share your idea verbally and wait for money. Like, it's going to happen. And uh, I don't, I, that's not realistic. That part is not realistic. Yeah. Investors get, here's the thing with investors or lenders. They, the only thing they're wondering, is my money going to come back? That's what they're thinking. With interest or equity, is my money going to come back? That's all they're thinking about. So if there's no plan, they think they're just throwing money out the window. So one of the things I would teach in these classes was that, no, first put a plan together and talk about how would they gain? How is your lender, investor going to gain? And what are you putting up as security? What is your partnership? For example, if you want to start a restaurant and you have experience as a manager, maybe you've been working at a cafe, you have that experience, you've been, you know what's going on, you have to find people who are so busy working as, I'm just going to use a lawyer, for example, yeah. okay? You have to find someone like a lawyer or someone who's so busy doing their other profession, but they have all this capital, and on the side, they want to open up a restaurant. It's partnering with those kinds of people. And that's two elements that I think a lot of people miss in general, not just Ugandans, yeah. but in general, people miss the partnerships and the preparation, the plan. Yeah, Those are the two elements that people miss. Because, bro, uh, a lot of people... Uh, even myself, I've raised money for business ideas that I never even executed. But yeah, but you do it with a presentation. You have a slideshow or even if it's not slideshow, PowerPoint, you do it on a piece of paper and you talk to someone and they say, yeah, I'll invest. And actually the business never came to fruition. So the money just got sent back because the idea was so good. But most people don't know how to put that part together. Yeah, that's the struggle. Yeah. Because if the idea is good enough, uh, I call it shocks, <laughs> like shock swimming. They'll come, they'll taste blood and they come and they want to eat. Yeah. So tell me about your personal development journey. My what? My personal? Development journey. My personal development journey. Yeah, you seem to have amassed a lot of knowledge with the streets, yeah. learning from the streets. Reading, I, I reading. I share kind reading. of like the same experience. Yeah. In Uganda, I, 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 at some point in my life, I get so depressed. I, mm. Yeah, I feel like uh, things go go yeah like i reached superstardom sure um i mean two meetings with pepsi and whatnot and yeah they know that just crumbles away right yeah true. Uh, it also goes with like some bit of family that started some sense so mm. everything just crashes in my mind sure so i feel like i need to practice detachment yeah i go to the street right uh-huh. like actually sleeping on the street and yeah it's such a weird <laughs> story like, and I tell it to people yeah but then that's where i find myself right mm. when i'm born with that then i, I try to like reconstruct and yeah. see how i get back into active like normal yeah but on the street yeah mm. i learned my greatest le- lessons i also got to meet so many people including like extremely wealthy people mm. that like helped jumpstart me yeah and, and my career but like those were like my best life lessons right like the fact that the power of having nothing and then just understanding everything that's a good point yeah yeah so to you yeah you learn a lot in that and i think one of the biggest thing is is being humble along the way because you can go up and sometimes you go down. Yeah. My dad has this funny quote. Uh, one day he came home, put some pins, you know, these safety pins or these pins, put them on the on the table. He's like, these are for you. And uh, I said, what's that for? He's like, oh, whenever your head gets too big, you just pop your head. <laughs> My dad taught me always to be humble, no matter how much money you make, no matter what's going on. And I think that was a very valuable lesson he's ever taught me. 
because uh, I think if if you can have that focus first of being humble, because there's times you can have a business that's really going really well, and all of a sudden you never know whether it's a COVID situation or just business deals in general fall apart, and the next thing you know you're on the street in the worst case scenario. Your humility will will keep you. Your humility will keep you going, and the desire will kick back in. But if you're so hung up on being the celebrity and um, the best of the best, it's going to hurt a lot more when you go down. So, yeah. uh, when you listen to most of the content you consume, right? Yeah. Say Kanye West content. Yeah, yeah. You realize that a lot of Bannable, right? Yeah. Um, most of them value ego over humility. Mm. And they still make it big. Yeah, but when you listen to a motivational speaker now, like you, in that yeah. element, you're like a motivational sure, speaker. Sure, sure. You'll prioritize humility, like sure. Humility. Well, well, yeah. You bring up a good point. So there's a difference. There's a different world with artists, and I've been. I actually had a business promoting artists, marketing artists, and Baby Cool, good friend of mine. No, yeah, Baby Cool, just a yeah. Bunch. Baby Cool, like, too. He trades ego, right? Yeah, it's about the showbiz yes. and whatnot, right? But there's a there's two sides to that. There's marketing. Yeah. That's there's marketing in Baby Cool. So he knows that's his marketing. Every every artist has to turn on their own marketing for themselves. Unfortunately, it's themselves, personal branding and marketing. They can't say, oh, it's this product. It's not. They're attached to their own marketing. So whatever marketing image you're going to put out, you have to step into that role. And then you step out maybe when you get home. So there's marketing even in that image, in that brand. You have to keep pushing that brand, that image. And that's what that's the reality of personal branding. So that doesn't mean that person's always like that, but they have to put it on. They have to put it on. Otherwise, because that's what attracts people. Now, if you don't like that world and you don't want to be ego, then just pull away. But ego sells. Greed sells. Fear sells. Right? Nice. Those things sell. So, so you then have... if those things sell and yeah. selling is like the goal of life, what's the point of humility? I think it comes down to how, what you believe. At the end of the day, it's what, what, you, what believe. you believe in. Me, Pete, personally, me, in marketing, like in the marketing world. Like and in, your mantra in life. Like, oh like that, man. that then informs what you do, right? These are some big conversations, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's the <hard> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Um, okay. So, whoa, this is a big, this is a deep conversation. So, I mean, overall, in general, what do I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a mantra that I have uh, is like giving and receiving, like the law of reciprocity. So there's laws in the universe. We know one is gravity. We can feel that pretty instantly. Everything is on the ground, right? So we don't, it's there all the time. We don't even think about it. Gravity is a law that people just live, they think it's normal. And there's other laws in the universe that happen that people don't realize. And one of them is the law of reciprocity, the law of give and you shall receive. So now there's a trick to that. Most people think like, oh, if I give today, I'm going to get today. If I give tomorrow, I'm going to get tomorrow. That's why I stopped praying. (laughs) So there is an element. (laughs) There is an element of that process that people, time, time is the only factor in that. And um, so one of my mantras is that principle of giving and receiving. Uh, so I use that in business. Mm-hmm. I find a way I can add value, like I was talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You add value because that's your give, and then you'll receive in some way. Maybe it's through them or someone else. But I'll tell you what, Mark. 
after 15 years of doing business, I've never marketed my own services. Never, yeah. never, never, never. I never run an advert for what I do. I will tell you that is something I'm struggling with so much. Mm. Like I have filled apartments for people. Yeah. I have put numbers in restaurants. I still mm. do that. Mm-hmm. But I have struggled to get the right customers for my business. Like sure, sure. Just, okay, of course, like yeah. Um, my level of social capital right right now is fine, right? Mm. The people that know what I do will come to me for sure, what I do. Sure, sure, sure. So that's helping the marketing of the business. Yeah. But like a whole blown up strategy with everyone else, it has worked. Yeah. That's because yeah. yeah. So listen, bro. Yeah. I've made more money from my clients, exactly. of course, in total yeah. than I have for myself. But because you you got to understand, you're a servant leader. You have to understand you're a servant leader. Mm. Years ago, mm. I wanted to be the guy. I was in an industry of authors, writing books, consulting, teaching. You talked about leadership training. Yeah. So I wanted to be that guy. But I realized there was an element of that life. There was an ego that I needed to pull out that didn't really mesh with who I was. Yeah. So I wasn't really that guy. And I noticed, actually, after I started getting familiar and some of those guys, some speakers or authors, trainers, started becoming my friend, I realized that their life was a certain way. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, that's not how I want to be. So what I realized was I wanted to be a producer. See, I thought I was going to be the, the main character. And then I realized, no, I think I'm better as a producer. But that took a long time to learn, too. It took years of trying. And then, you know, producers may not always be well-known, but they are the main person. They are one of the main people. And so, and sometimes the artists are so well-known, but they have the worst lives, maybe mentally. You understand? Sometimes they're the ones that are most broke. And the producers have all the money, right? You understand. What's most important to know about that is what is your position and yeah, because I have, I've helped so many clients, of course, the amount of money that my clients are going to make times 100, times 200, are going to have more money than me. Does that make sense? Because you're helping more people. That doesn't mean you should be poor. No. It just means that you're helping more people. Now, you mentioned something, though, about, <clears throat> we're talk, you're talking about like conversions for your own stuff. Yes. But as a producer, there's something that you should know that I'll share with you that I share with my buddy, Chris, is one, you should always get paid for your time. Always. I talk about giving and receiving. This does not include your time. Okay? Let me, let me just dive a little clear for your audience, but also for yourself. Yes. So one of the things I just refuse to do is, and I learned this years ago, if you're going to call me for a meeting, if you're going to like, let's have a meeting because I want to pick like your brain for something about my own business idea, you're going to pay me before I even reach and most people are like, but wait, no, 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 you want to go listen to someone else who has maybe less experience or whatever. They're just going to take their time to meet you. That's fine. Let them do it. Go take their advice. But for what I know, the results I've given, I don't meet with people just for free, just, just for hanging out. There's always has to be an added benefit. There has to be an added gain, whether it's mon- with, with finances or some added benefit in there. So... That's really important. And that's a powerful element. My buddy Chris actually started applying that in his own life and his own business. And now people take him more seriously. His clients pay him in advance before he even reaches. And they actually are more serious to become a client than the ones who are just like free here, free there, free there. Yeah. That is marketing. It's positioning. It's positioning your brand. Yeah. So I learned that years ago from 
a marketing coach. Yeah, a guy that I paid for his time to learn from. Yeah. You actually really believe in like life coaches. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I, I'll edit that line. Not so much life coaches. Uh, for me, like personal life or personal development, I think I can read through scripture or through books. But business coaches, yes. Business coaches, marketing coaches. Um, I'm not afraid to say, even though I've been in marketing 15 years, I just hired a coach last year in marketing because I wanted to hear his element, his side. So I had him for six months and we were just you know, going off things. I listened to him. He said, Nate, do this, this, and this. I've been doing this for 15 years, but I'm still a student. I'm always willing to learn. I'm always humble. We talk about humility. I'm still humble to learn. I'm not closed-minded to say everything I know is the best, but I will mix my experience with it. still a student mentality to humble enough to listen to someone who has you know, better ideas, who has done bigger campaigns than me, um, that has done you know, more results than me. I have no problem listening to people like that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's so, what are some of those projects you've worked on here in Uganda? That you got it. Yeah, yeah. I've done so many different types of projects in Uganda. So, what exactly were you doing, Bebeku? Were you doing like concerts? Are you branding the music? Yes, that, that's a good point. So, for the music side, uh, Radio and Weasel, oh, yeah. I was promoting Radio events. Yeah. yeah, and that was like my favorite artist in Uganda at yeah. the time. So, I was a big. Was re- both of them or one of them? But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard question. Yeah, it's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> please, yes, yeah, please no. I would say, okay, I think I was always a fan of radio. Yeah. Um, I just think there was something unique there. There was something deeper. There was a, it's a legend. You can see yeah. legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing against Weasel, uh, but there's just a legend in radio that will always be there. Yeah, plus the talent was exceptional. Right? Yeah, exactly. And there's always some in, in everywhere. Um, so what I was doing in the music industry here was marketing events. I was promoting events because it's something I was familiar with. Um, and that I was comfortable doing, that I know I could get results. So promoted some for Navio. Um, I did some for Radio Weasel. Uh, and then th- the the angle was going to be the mobile app. That was really kind of my focus at that time. Yeah, which I failed miserably. Yeah. So Navio, mm. Navio appeals to like how hard or easy was it like to like really get his music out to a crowd that doesn't seem to relate to yeah. To, to that kind of urban rap like and this is yeah. in general right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Navio the myth those are like my personal friend I produce yeah. the myth is podcast mm. that's why you do podcast yeah so but I see it like right yeah like, they're really super talented cool dudes true but then they didn't get the home support yeah like rise to become the superstars they true did. true yeah. yeah you know it took so, it but it would also be the marketing and the branding. So now that's... Yeah, okay. but you know, also, I think he's followed his desires. And I think he's... Navio's intelligent enough. He knows his market. He does. He does throw a little bit of the culture in there into his videos. Yeah, and, all the time. Yeah, so he knows, he knows his market. But also, he had a desire for hip-hop. You know, and he tried it. And he tested it. So that's within him. Um, but... I think he's done a great job. Uh, maybe he's not hitting the masses, okay, which is okay. Yeah. But that's that's what's happened. What's you know? your perspective on like music in general in Uganda? Like how you can a lot of people bring up Nigeria because of how Nigerians now actually top charts everywhere. Yeah, right? true, true. We have Banaboy filling up true, true stadiums and yeah. Banaboy. So I I've been in music in different capacities. When I was in the West, it was rock and roll. I used to like take these rock guys and uh, I used to get them on tour, put them in a studio, all this stuff. 
the management, and then I've done a bit of hip hop, working with some rappers abroad. Very small names, no big names. No, you yeah, yeah. All these were not headliners. Um, and then when, uh, but I've always been in the hip hop. It's always been in my blood uh, for a long time. Mm. So when I came to Uganda, just the beats in general were just amazing. I, I've always loved the beats here. Then probably I think, I think maybe like five years ago. I started listening to Nigerian music, and I've been hooked ever since. So I understand there's a beat, there's a flow there, a production that's there that's really high quality. Um, so I get that. But I think Uganda is probably second in my mind. And I don't know. I've never really done some deep research like listens and you know, all that. But Uganda has a great beat. There's a, there's a lot of good artists coming out of Uganda compared to all of Africa, right? So we have a few different... You know, we have a few different uh, sounds yeah, sounds in Africa. It's yeah, Nigeria than Uganda. Yeah, maybe, maybe Tanzania. Has yeah, because there's some sounds that are not going to relate to the beat, right? The beat. So we hit Egypt, and you know, you're going to have a different Arabic sound. You're not going to hit that beat. So the beat, if I think I think Uganda's right up there. Yeah. Now with the mobile app, were mm. you looking at giving the creatives more control? Yes. Yeah. And what actually, what were you going to? Full control. Yeah, full control. Full control. Yeah, they have payment as well. <clears throat> yeah, they could actually get paid for their music, um, which was going to be a new concept. They could get paid through, uh, you know, through Momo Pay and all that when it was coming out, mobile money. Um, yeah, they were going to have full control to make money and also to push notifications when a new song came out. Yeah. So that would be a new concept. More like Sound Blast, right? Yeah, almost yeah. like Sound Blast. Yeah, exactly. And. You know, in the beginning, uh, of course, it was just central. It was a, a Kampala and Tebe opportunity at that time. Uh, but I knew it was something that would grow. Um, but at the time, you know, it just wasn't it. You know, it just I was too early. And that's important in business. Yeah. What did you fail? Where? Why did you fail? Why? I was too early. I was too soon. I was too soon in the what market. What to that tenacity? That's a good. That's a good question. It wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't something that I, I said I could continue to dedicate a hundred percent of my time. Okay. Yeah. So the desire is still there. Actually, I still enjoy it. I, I built a mobile app uh, just during COVID when I was locked up. I built another mobile app with my with my guys, raised five hundred thousand USD for it, and it went nowhere. It didn't go off the ground. Um, so that thing is always there, like that desire for whether mobile apps or tech and stuff like that is always there. Um, but when it came to what I was doing in Uganda, I had to look at what I was doing. I said, okay, wait, uh, it's been a year. Uh, I have a kid. Um, what am I going to do? Yeah. So do I continue down this road of pushing, pushing people who are not ready? Right. Or do I go back to what I know so well? So I just went back to what I was doing. Yeah. Do you have hope that the market, the space will be ready? Absolutely. I think I think my friends know me for having the most hope in this country. Yeah, uh, honestly, I, I believe... What I love about Uganda the most is there's so much opportunity here. And it's tough when you're in the market, like when you grow up in it, mm. you only see what's around you. But I've been in countries, I've lived and grew up in countries where I saw the growth. I saw when the Chinese came into the U.S. and people... Like, I'll never forget my mom mm -hmm. was getting her nails done. Now, in the West, women, American women, would do the nails, okay? Then the Chinese came, and they replaced all those shops. It was Chinese women doing the nails. I'll never forget my mom was getting her nails done, and a rock came through the window from an American woman because the Chinese were taking over. 
But when the Chinese came, man, everything got better. <laughs> the roads got better. Everything, building, just construction was better. Everything quality was better. It was a really exciting time. And then I saw the same thing happen in Portugal. And I got so excited. I'm like, oh, the Chinese are here. The Chinese are here. Things are going to get better. And I'm still excited about that in Uganda because now the Chinese are coming and it's growing. Yeah, so I mean... Do you really feel like it's getting better when the Chinese come? Yeah, I know this is a big, this is a big conversation. Yeah. Which that's why we're here, right? Big exactly. conversation. That's, exactly. another, that's another plug for you, I think. But <clears throat> listen, at the end of the day, politics aside, mm-hmm. what I care about most is growth. Yeah. I care about growth in economics. So whoever is president doesn't matter to me. What I care about is growth in a country and growth in people. And all I can see, what I've seen over the years is that what China has done with their tenacity, with their quality of work. And, so, and, and the good thing, look, China is so innovative. They can make something so cheap and they can make the best things. All our devices are made by China. Yeah. So it's not about China being cheap, even though they got... The reason why China years ago got branded as cheap things is because economies around the world were down. So they couldn't afford the most expensive things, which were also made by China. But now that the economies of the world have increased, middle income has increased, now people can afford more things that have come from China. And China's right there ready to make it. So again, this is not a political statement or who's right, who's wrong and all that stuff. This is, this is all about raising the level of humanity. Like, people should not be living in a hut, generally, unless they want to. That's their choice. But if they want to pursue a better life, they should be living out of that situation, unless they choose otherwise. And what I've seen in in China is, uh, and progress around the world, is everything they touch, they build, and it grows. And that's what, that should be for the world. That's That's just basic necessity in the world should be that. And if there's a country that's dedicated to that... It's China. It's China. It's China. And, and I'm so on board with what... Uh, sorry, I'm a bit passionate about this topic. Yeah. Because I really disagree with countries that are willing to give money and not help. They're willing to say, oh, here's our money, and then, and then take away the money if you're not listening to their rules. You know, that's like a parent says, do you want this biscuit? Then go do this. That is wrong. What is more progressive is a, a country or whoever. A country... That says, you know what? We're going to give you discounted loans and help you produce and help you grow and help you train. That's produ- productivity. And so regardless of what media says and all that From stuff. From perspective, that makes sense. Yeah. Right? That's, and that's what's happening, and bro. some value. Yeah. yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. And I know Uganda got a little scared recently with the loan to the Entebbe uh, airport. But people, people don't understand how money works, how debt works. So in summary... A lot of people can look to the U.S. as like, oh, they're the greatest country in the world. But little do people know that it's the highest debt in the world. The only way you grow countries is through debt. The only way you grow a business is through debt. People are like, what? Well, especially in Uganda, right? Wait, this is a cash society. Everybody has cash. But actually, the only way you grow a country, the only way you grow a business is through debt. And that, that messes with people's minds. Like how so? Just to try and make sense. How so? But like, like I'm six years old. Yeah, um, it's called leverage, and we don't have enough time in the, our life to do everything in cash to, to grow. You have to use investors' money, capital, in order to leverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and once you underst- once people understand how money works, and it's not money in leverage is not a transaction like oh I bought this 
this package of biscuits mm -hmm. and now I have the profit. No, no, no. It's actually leverage. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all. That's a big topic. But if you look at if you look at the way countries grow, it's through debt only. It's through debt only. So every country that has grown amazingly, like very well, is through debt. Uh, yeah, so that's a deep conversation. Let's, let's yeah. Deep, let's from the deep yeah, sorry. <laughs> how is your experience in Uganda for the ten years? Like, uh, minus the vibe, of course. Like, how how, how can I ask, ask this question? Mm. Uh, you've talked about the people. Where mm. have you been in Uganda? Yeah, that's wow. I feel like I'm a city boy. I grew up in a bunch of cities, so I mostly stayed around like Kampala and Tebe. The furthest I've gone in Uganda is Ajumani. Mm -hmm. That's the furthest I've gone out. Um, I've gone to Barara, Jinja, of course. Jinja, yeah, Jinja, Masaka, yeah. But honestly, probably anything within a two, three mile radius, two, two to three hour radius outside of Kampala is about it. That's about it. I haven't been to Mashonan Falls. I haven't been to Renzuri Mountains. Yeah, I haven't gone to see the gorillas. Like, wait, what, what reasons do you have? Is it the time? Do you feel like I just don't? Expensive? I just don't care. Do you feel like yeah? I have no desire whatsoever to go see animals. Uh, or maybe, <laughs> do you feel like if I marketed animals to you, you'd go and see them? No. Do you feel like that's lacking? No. You just no, actually. So you know, we have the big five. They call it in Uganda the big, the biggest animals in the world. Yeah. Uganda is rich in in nature. Mm -hmm. Me personally. I don't care. Like I, I, I re listen the way I say it. I say this to all my friends. These animals, they don't pay their money to come and see me. So I'm not gonna pay money to go and see them. I really just don't have a desire. I've seen lions. I've seen all those things at a zoo. So I'm like, what else am I gonna see out there in the bush? I don't know. It's just not for me. I'm not saying like other people yeah, should yeah. do it. It's just not for me. Yeah. Uh, like and now in terms of like the substitute to that would be like tech hubs and innovation villages and stuff. Do you participate in that stuff? Yeah, I have. I have years ago. Um, I would say my my addiction or my participation uh, is marketing for conversions in what I do. Like so, um, I, I really I used to be very involved in innovation hubs, and I used I only go though to those places now if I'm doing a talk. Like it's my way of giving back. But today to participate, to hear new ideas, um, I feel like right now in my life, the past few years will really just take me off a path. So I'm so focused on what I'm doing. I'm so dedicated to what I'm doing. So that is, I don't want to get distracted. Yeah. yeah. And time is a really limited resource right now uh, for, for myself. It's, so I'm just like really focused on conversions, on what I'm doing and, and the, the path ahead. Yeah. How do you become Bukenya? How do you come to my culture? <laughs> yeah, so when I came to Uganda, like I was telling you earlier, um, when I came to Uganda, I quickly got engaged uh, within two weeks. Yeah, and then so I did a proposal, um, which when I tell that story, by the way, to most women in Uganda, it gives them a lot of hope. <laughs> so it's a very hope story. But um, so when I came to Uganda, I did a Kwanjula. It was at the Kwanjula that uh, like everyone kind of people were talking like we should give him a local name we should give him a family name so Bukenya just it's the family name so it just came out that way and I adapted that in the beginning maybe the first few weeks I didn't think about it I didn't care but when I started walking the streets of Kampala and I was interacting and I was talking to the Boda Boda I was talking to people in restaurants I found the quickest way to communicate or to connect with people was one, through the language, so speaking Luganda, mm -hmm. and then two, 
saying uh, Indi Bukenya, uh, you know, and people start laughing and they're like, oh, okay, yeah. And, and that's very important in sales and marketing. The more people like and trust you quickly, the more, you know, they, they connect. So that's why I would use that so much. Yeah. So that's how the name came about. The language, do you speak it? How A many bit. Languages? I'm not great at it. I'm not great. I should, by now, but I should. But you understand know. everything? Mm, most no. of it. I would say most of the basic conversation. Mm. If you started talking about things in science or like deep words, I wouldn't understand. But the basic greetings, the basic, you know, interactions. Yeah, that, that I think I've, I've gotten that down. My newest word is stolachi. That's my newest word. Of course, I know like Oliotia, Ogamotia, those things. But my newest word is Stolachi. Sebo. Yeah. I see you spend a lot of time in. How can I call it? I don't want to call it ghetto because it's not. You know, no, no. In general, it's like a whole ghetto, right? Yeah. Even the rich are really not so rich. Just <laughs> masquerade. <laughs> One of the things that I did when I first came to Uganda after like six months is I hired, I, I paid this boy at a cafe. I'd go to this cafe like every day. And there was this boy who was just really friendly. And uh, so I think I'd pay him like 20K for like a full day of training. So we would start writing. We'd start writing. And then we'd move out of the cafe and go into the market. And then he would tell me what to say. He'd whisper in my ear, tell me what to say. Tell me what to say. How to greet. So that's how I learned Luganda. And I still have my notes from, from when he taught me. But I just, I, I need to probably spend more time in it, honestly. Some days I think about it, I'm like, why don't I know that word by now? So. Is it the only language you've picked interest in? No, no. I want to know Mandarin, Chinese. I want to know that because it's the language of the future. Um, but other than that, Portuguese and English. So. Yeah, I'm saying again, in Uganda, you also have to like know the Western language. Oh, no, I have not. No, no, no. I haven't gone down that road yet. I don't think I would. I have no desire to be like, okay, should I know like five languages in Uganda? No, no, no. I haven't had that desire. Plus, they don't really add any value, right? They don't add value, right? It's not really going to gain. I think the only thing I probably should learn soon is Kiswahili. Because now the AU has made it like, okay, this is the official language of Mm -hmm. Africa. Mm -hmm. So that does take time to hit the whole country, the whole continent. But that's probably the one I should start learning yeah. at some point, I think, if I, if I really like, desire. Yeah. All right. Now, um, this podcast, since it's conversation and I've yeah. been doing the asking, yeah. you also now get to ask, then we conclude. Hey, okay. Wow. Okay. So one of the questions I, I always think about in these, uh, I've, done, I've done a lot of different podcasts and I always wonder what, why. So why? Why do you do this, these big conversations? These big conversations, it's crazy, right? Corona comes around. Mm. Uh, so like I was telling you, now I have like an idea why I'm doing them, right? I get better every time I'm doing the conversations. I, uh, it's some way of communicating to my child, uh, right? I want him to, the more people I host, these more experiences he listens mm. to. Like I know that it's, n- it's a given. He would love to listen to my podcast. I'm his yeah. father, right? Yeah. <laughs> <There's no way laughs> yeah. So, every night he's putting on earbuds to listen to this side. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, some of that is just to feed him. Like, it's yeah. an also sway of the things I do not know from the people I host and share that. To him and to, like, I have siblings and to the people that are close to me. Mm. But also, it's built around friendship, right? Mm. So the guy who was doing the, the sound, the guy who came to test the sound, the guy the guy editing yeah these are my friends i've grown up with yeah yeah, yeah? and this is some something we do of value that then brings us all together oh, rather than just smoking weed and drinking but we still smoke weed we still yeah. drink <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we still do all those things sure, sure. so but then this brings us together in terms of value in terms of like organization it's like a plan it's a vision we yeah. hope it's going to be big sure, sure. so it keeps us going yeah so this is why we do it That's but awesome. also 
on the like grand scheme of things, we're tired of like TV interviews where they bring you and they ask you mm. why you're not married, mm. uh, which <laughs> girlfriend you're going to have sex with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, just so yeah. plastic, right? They yeah. Feel like, yeah. I also think you're ahead of the, the time, right? Uh, I think there's a transition going on from TV to digital. Yeah. Uh, podcasting is something new in Uganda because yeah. they're still on radio. True. But you're ahead. So all the work you're putting in now is just what people are going to admire in the future, bro. Like 200 podcasts, 300 episodes, however many you keep going. Mm -hmm. The people who are going to start podcasting three years from now are going to look at you like, oh my gosh, this guy, he put in the work. He knows what he's doing. And that's, uh, so (laughs) thanks to you, bro, because that's actually, the work you put in is what comes out down the road. Yeah, most people don't see it in the beginning and all Even that. ourselves, man. Like, of course, yeah. Like, cause today's podcast. I'll yeah. give you an example. So I was at a conference. Then mm. Cubs had called me in the morning. Then I switched him off. Then called me again. It's like, yo, we had an appointment. I was yeah. like, oh, man, yes. Yeah, yeah. But then because I also have this mantra, I just don't turn down my appointments. Mm. Once I start That's once, then the next one. time I'll do That's it. That's a good one, yeah. 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 So I was like, okay, yeah, let's see it through. Let's make sure we just finish. That's a good point. Actually, that this is actually really a good conversation. For, oh, so, thanks, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great. One of the most important things that I think your audience should really pick up on because uh, you're a really intelligent guy. One of the things you, your audience should really pay attention to what you just said, you have life rules. Life rules are really important because if you're not disciplined, yeah. like if you don't, like you said, I don't turn down, a, I don't like to turn down appointments because then it becomes a habit. Yes. That's one thing that's really important on a personal level, like for your own self, if you don't have rules in your own life, then anything can happen anything you'll just decide to do this or that you won't be directed so i really congratulate you for that because uh sometimes people with very addictive personalities or they get addicted to things have to set up these rules in their life sure. otherwise their life spins out of control yeah, yeah. so yeah. i think um, i get it people who have like addictive personalities yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, for sure i get it i can relate yeah. I hope my crush is listening because I've been like... I hope she is too. I hope she is too. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it. It's you now taking that question. Another question for you? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, so how how do you see uh, your business in the next like three years from now? Do you see it like selling it or just continue to grow it? Is it temporary for you or is it like a long-term thing you always see yourself doing? So it's long time, right? Mm. Um, this is why we've invested heavily in the equipment and the content. I mean, it's just this podcast, like I've, I've been telling you. So the, yeah. the Uvotam is the company that produces... Uvotam is Matovu Backwards. That's my grandfather's name. Okay. Yeah. So it's spelled Backwards. So, but it's also my brother's name. It's also a family name. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, when you look at how this kind of business operates here, it has to really be big scale. So it's scary. Mm. Yeah. But we want to do it long term. Yeah. So we are innovating and constructing around it. Mm-hmm. We are learning almost yeah. everything. Yeah. Like everyone has everything they do. I okay. employed elsewhere, my other partner. So we're two people that own it. Sure. My other partner is employed elsewhere, he's very involved. Yeah. In the beginning he used to actually do more conversations than I could, but then time has caught up with him. Mm. So he has to be in so many other engagements. But <clears throat> we want to do it. That's the first thing we want awesome. to do it awesome like again i told you that friendship yeah. beat about yeah, it. yeah yeah so there's that that this is some sense of value want to add to our own communities yeah like keep on and also when you look at now for me when you look at how employment is abused here i've worked here mm. in companies here and mm. i feel like employers abuse so much of how operations should be mm. yeah guys want to give you money because so it's just a low economy you'll just take it because you have to take it. Mm. That is something I had to change. 
So with my community and my friends, yeah. I was saying if you're partnering, you you take like some stake in the get go. Then right, you also right. believe into the like that vision. Yeah, then yeah. you grow with it. Then we take on your ideas uh, because we don't know anything. We're not experts. These cameras, okay. So we, did, you know, we started that. with just one mic. Then we're like, Sometime, okay, yeah. we need to do like the transition. Sometimes the that's the best way to do it, yeah. bro. So that's how we're doing it. That's awesome. I give you a lot of credit for doing it as a group. That's yeah. something I could never master, honestly. I've worked in teams. I used to manage. I used to be a manager. I used to have like 200 people in the, under me. I used to have 12 people in my own company. And I, I just never could, I never got it. I never liked it. So yeah. I give you a lot of credit to bringing your friends along and, and working together. Me, I'm more of a loner guy. I yeah. like to be alone. Of course, I'm friendly. I meet people. But I love to work alone. Uh, I don't know. It's just something that I enjoy. So good for you. Bro. Yeah. Awesome. So the concluding bit is yeah. always what legacy are you trying to leave behind? That's a great question. That's a great one. I like how you said you're, you're leaving these podcasts for your son. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he can listen to you and learn from you. I think that's so powerful. Um, to what legacy I'm trying to leave behind would be mostly for my kids. Yeah. If anything, for my kids. Um, so, uh, the, you know, I, I, I can only, the greatest example I have in my life is my dad. Um, my dad taught me, uh, my work ethic. Um, I remember waking up every morning with my dad at 4 AM. My dad started his day at 3:30. He woke up, he was, uh, out the house. He's left the house by four. And, um, he would drop me at the newspaper place and I'd start, I'd be on the street by 4.30. Um, my dad taught me that, that working hard, no matter what the situation is, is, uh, was like number one. Um, so the, I would say the legacy I want to leave for my kids is no matter what they do in life, whatever it is they do, um, that they put work behind it that they, they're not afraid to work. They're not afraid to get down, get into it, no matter what it is, uh, no matter what it is they enjoy. So I would say, if anything, if I was to leave a legacy that way, mm-hmm. an impact on my, my family and my kids, it's going to be work ethic. Because work, no matter what it is, if you put in the work, you will make it. That's the reality. You'll, you'll make it. Now, sometimes, of course, education is really important. Uh, academics and self-education, reading, really important. So... Those two things um, are just are just critical. Yeah. They're just critical. I agree. You know, yeah. yeah. So um, that's probably the 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 legacy I'd want to leave behind, uh, and and the foundation of all that is faith. Um, I'm just a believer that if you if you lead more in faith rather than fear, if you live a life in fear, it's going to stop you from every opportunity that presents itself mm-hmm. whether you want to go raise capital whether you want to try a new campaign whether you want to meet a new person the fear will cripple your life the faster you can overcome fear uh, I, I truly believe that you will progress beyond your wildest dreams uh, the fear and faith philosophy once you can break through the fear and understand why you're not doing what you're doing it all links to fear whether it's self-doubt, disbelief, what other people think of you, whatever it may be, as soon as you can get beyond that fear, mm-hmm. it's game over. All right, man. Mm-hmm. Thank you for really coming down here. Thanks. This has really been a very good conversation for it's me. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, this guy told me you're around here for, for, for life. So anytime yeah. I'll call you up on like specifics of marketing, we can have more conversations. Way better than you. Kali. Way better than you.